Usually the first year you have a great year, you work so hard trying to make as much money as you can get your hands on. And you're, you're making sacrifices on buying right, you know, getting your labor to where they're efficient. And then you get this tax bill and you're like, it was all for not. Why'd I do, why'd I do all this hard work? <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to the Podpreneur Podcast. This is the number one podcast in Midtown Salsa run by a construction company. That is we, real. It is real. It's Tyler Dietring. I'm here again with Nick. Everybody's here to hear him. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thank you for that intro. Makes yeah. me warm and fuzzy every time I hear every it. Every time. Hey, you know what time of the year it is? Um, it's that time of the year where nobody wants to do anything. Hmm. But you know what? You know what we're doing? We're hustling. We're doing a lot of stuff. We're hustling. We're doing a lot of stuff. And that's going to provide a really solid start to 2023. It's going to be a great year. Yeah. I promised uh, I promised myself and my wife I would take some time off mm. at the end of the year. And you're really having some difficulties. And I'm huh? really having some difficulties because <laughs> the problem is we're going out and we're hunting and we're searching for work and we're finding it and we've got stuff to work on. Yep. And now I'm trying to take off <laughs> next week. And it's like, that's going to be tough. Don't know that's going to work. These yeah. are good problems. These are... Well, speaking of hustlers, mm. people that are getting things done, especially mm. here in beautiful Tulsa, Oklahoma, we've got another guest today, and it is none other than Chad Potter. Chad Potter. How are you doing, my man? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Man, it's so good to have you. And so the company is Drywall Repair Specialist. So is that is that kind of all of the construction company, or is there separate names for the repair side and also like the new construction side? Yeah. So we have Drywall Repair Specialists is, is kind of the original company that we started. It uh, focused mainly on midtown repair, a lot of remodel, and uh, kind of morphed into a commercial side. So we created a drywall specialist uh, just for branding reasons that to have both and move forward with both companies. Yeah. So, you know, if you look at it from like the outside looking, you're like, man, this he's got he's doing drywall sheetrock work. Like, it's just, you know, he's just like some, I don't know. It's just, he's just, a, it's, he's just a sheetrock. Yeah. He's yeah. just a sheetrock guy. <laughs> Bottom like, of the barrel. Yeah. It's like, uh, but did you realize like early on, like, Hey, there could be like a lot of, there could be like some real earning potential or do you just get into it? Cause like you just enjoyed this type of work. You know, I started cleaning up construction job, job sites, specifically drywall for a commercial company when I was in eighth grade, worked for that small commercial company through high school, college, Actually came back to work for him after I graduated from OSU in 2001. I uh, worked for him for a year and a half. I was making $30,000 a year. My paycheck was $576 a week. And I was like, I think I can at least do that on my own. And so branched out on my own, scared to death, borrowed $5,000 from my dad, and just tried to start figuring it out. Had one base customer um, that they believed in me. And I had I would try to sell drywall during the day, and I would help my guys with ceiling tile. I mean, that was a whole chicken and the egg thing. It was like... I need to sell work, but I don't have any guys. I can't hire guys because I don't have any work. So that was a weird mm. transition to get started. But um, yeah, it's been just about 20 years now since since we started our company. Awesome. And uh, just, it's been a ride. Congrats. So you have like any kind of like party or anything scheduled for like 20 years? Is there like some kind of celebration? Because that's a big <laughs> deal, man. That's it, huge. It is. And it's just, it's kind of a daily grind. I don't look at it as a big celebration yeah. or party. You know, yeah. I, I've never really thought of that. It's just like get up and daily yeah. grind every day and keep, keep churning. Yeah, man, that's awesome. So did you have any like, did you have any like entrepreneurs in your past, like growing up that kind of like made you want to start a company or was this kind of just birthed from your, from kind of your desire to do something else? It really came from my desire. It's like, you know, I, I was kind of thrown into drywall accidentally. So that's the path I went down because that's kind of what I knew and what I grew up knowing. But 
I think it was internally. It wasn't really anybody I knew that led me down that path. I mean, I used to, when I was a kid in high school, I would made this, this bench for my mom for mother's day and I liked it. And so these other moms in the neighborhood, they paid me 80 bucks to make them the same bench. And yeah. so they like, I love that. I, I love crunching the numbers. It was out of like reclaimed wood. And so yeah. it's like, Hey, you know, made 80 bucks building this, this bench. And now I did 20 of them. So that, yeah. that kind of got that fired up when I was, that's probably late middle school or the high school when that happened. So that's cool. So yeah. let, let's talk early on. You said you had one client when you, st- when you started, you're like, Hey, I've got this one client. I can make more than that 30,000. I can make more than 500 bucks a week with this one client. Like, how did you look at business development early on? Were you trying to like get more clients or was that one enough to kind of sustain you? That one at that point was enough to sustain me, but even that client was fairly new in their business. Uh, they left another long-term uh, contracting company. And so I think we were both kind of scared to death together and, and helping each other out. And the more, yeah. the more they grew, the more I was able to grow. And then, yeah. and during that time uh, we, you know, accumulated more clients and to get That's where awesome. we're going now. So you kind of like grew together a little bit. We did for sure. That's interesting. What's uh whenever you first jump out and you're on your own, what were some of those first things you were like, oh, I don't know how to do this. I've got to figure this out. <laughs> Pretty much everything. You know, <laughs> I mean, the, the construction side I had down, you know, I had enough from my my previous experience with the with the drywall company, I had enough labor resources to get that worked out. Yeah. You know, material, we still use the same supplier every day, A and D supply uh, is who we always use for our, our supplier. They've been great for 20 years. Um I'm sorry. What was the question again? Um, what were some of those initial things you had to learn? Oh, I would assume yeah. it's all on the business side, uh, right? For sure. The business side, insurance side. I mean, again, that's where kind of yeah. my, my $5,000 loan for my dad went to get insurance set up. I wanted to do it legitimately, but it was, yeah. it was tough. Right. So yeah. um, getting a bookkeeper and getting the account, like wrapping your head around all that new stuff was like very overwhelming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So speaking of insurance side, so there's a difference, difference between if you hire a company to, um, I guess, subcontract for you or having your own employees. So kind of, how did you look at that early on and how do you look at that now? Because if you have employees who actually work for you, then you're having to pay workers comp. But if you hire another company that already has workers comp, then basically you're paying just for them as, you know, right. paying their contract. Right. So it's, it's funny from even the time that I started my business, um, you know, drywall companies hired employees. There, the subcontractor world didn't really exist. I mean, that wasn't that wasn't a thing in in our trade necessarily. I think maybe roofers were early on doing that, and I think that really stems from an immigration issue. And so now that's the norm is that you know we have less than half our employees and the other half are subs. And so as far as the insurance, we used to fully insure every W two employee. Mm. They weren't subcontractors or employees. Now um, we have subcontractors that do have insurance and we have subcontractors that don't have insurance. So as we do our audits and go through that, that's when we kind of pick up who does and who doesn't. We know from the beginning so we can make sure they're covered. Yeah. Yeah. The insurance thing, that that was kind of an eye-opening thing for me because, you know, the audit is a serious thing because they look at, you know, they look at who you've hired throughout the year. And man, they, I mean, they look at it with a fine tooth comb. And if that person doesn't have workers comp, then you have to pick up the coverage for that. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And that's where, you know, you learn the lesson of having a good bookkeeper and having your books tight, not not trying to figure it out at the end to get those items worked out when you're asked, but just when they ask for them, you have them readily available. It makes it so much easier. Hmm. Yeah. So like looking back, what was the thing that happened that made you think like, man, I made it like here I am, like I've been doing this, I've been killing it. This is what this is. I made it. Man, I don't know if there's one specific thing. It's just, you know, again, I was trying at the beginning just to make $576 a week just to match what I, I my, my salary was out of college. I just got yeah. married. My wife is a teacher. And so, you know, I guess looking back and, and looking at the transformation of, you know, I guess you 
not to get into material things, but you, you get a bigger house and you get nicer vehicles. And so it's not some one big thing that said I made it, but now we have four kids and in school and, and a, a nice house and we're able to do fun things. So I guess that's, it's not some big aha moment if I made it, but just that kind of progression of where we came from, where we are now. Mm. That kind of, kind of makes me think about pace. Um, you guys, we were, we were here at the office talking a couple of weeks ago and, and you were talking about, you know, maybe those ups and downs don't, don't feel as drastic, the more weathered and, and the more time you've spent in business. Um, how do you feel the pace of business has changed since you know 20 years ago whenever you began to now it's definitely a different animal um in in a lot of different ways again just talking about the labor side of it is different um recently the material the the volatility of prices it's hard to keep up with so um definitely everything's a faster pace but it's just a lot more it's the same parts but they're just moving differently and and more inconsistently than they have it's, it's hard to keep up on that regard. yeah it's an interesting thought that we talked about and what nick just brought up that you know um, people ask me like what business ownership is like. And I tell them it's like the highs are much higher than you can experience as an employee, but they're also much lower. Like you can't sure. have one without the other. And one of the things you mentioned was like that, um, over time you don't experience as high of highs and as low as lows because you've seen a lot over 20 years. Right. And so I guess, um, like what was early on, what was like a low that you experienced and you're like, man, this just really sucks. Like what was something that you remember? I, I can tell you the very first, it was devastating. And now this happens all the time. It's no big deal. I bought a brand new $400 scaffold from A&D Supply. I was broke, right? I had $5,000 used some for insurance. I bought a scaffold for a job and it was stolen the first week I bought it. And it was like Ugh. devastating heartbreak. Like it was like, I, I got to go spend another $400. I'm trying to make $576 a week and I just lost 400 bucks. And so that that like one sticks with me and now you know unfortunately things get stolen all the time on job sites and, yeah. and things like that so and, and kind of the same deal on the highs i would get a two thousand dollar job back then and be like this is awesome right i had it's, yeah. be it's better than what i had which was nothing yeah. so yeah now we, you know fortunately we we have we've got a good flow of, of jobs that come in all the time and so again it's good to have those but it's just not as exciting as that two thousand dollar job used yeah. to be. yeah like how are you how are you preventing yourself from getting just like calloused and cold from those lows because over the years, I mean, I'm sure there's been tons. And like you just said, you're getting stuff stolen from you all the time. So how do you not like, just not trust anybody? Like, man, I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's frustrating. Even on our property side, you know, we have tenants that it's, we kind of wear it with them. They get windows smashed in. We have a tenant that has a, a trailer. Uh, he sells trailers in, in over by Chandler park. And he's had a guy smash through his fence twice and steal. So they're stealing from him, but they're crashing through our fence and we kind of wear it with him and, and, it's hard not to get callous because it's so rampant. Um, we've got some retail tenants that people just smash and grab. It, it's it's sad, but it's it it is hard not to get callous on it. You just got to get up and kind of grind through it. It's yeah. become a norm, unfortunately. Yeah, it's the truth. You know, speaking of properties, like kind of your um, you know, your strategy is really kind of just acquire as many properties as possible. Kind of talk to us about kind of your strategy with that. Yeah. So it, it all started, I, I wanted to build my own office, uh, which I did over in the Pearl District here in Tulsa. And uh, I, I built it in the time I was building. It, I knew I was going to lease about two thirds of it. I could have leased that same building 10 times. And so in that process, I'm like, okay, there, I, th this is a thing. So I've got that done, got my tenants moved in and I moved in and I just started trying to buy um, cheap, cheap lots that I could put metal buildings on. And in doing that, that's kind of morphed into, we bought some retail spaces and just different buildings, different types of buildings all over Tulsa and, and just this part of the state. And uh, it's just, it's kind of my retirement plan, but I also really enjoy that side of it. Yeah. So uh, 
on a lot of these, you have partners, correct? Correct. Yeah. And so on all of these, you pretty much have a separate LLC. Yes. Is that how you're structuring it? It is. Yeah. So we have approximately 18 LLCs and they're all just, I mean, one LLC may own three or four buildings or one may own one building, or I have some LLCs that I own wholly, but we just separate them by properties. That way, if we do want to uh, sell sell or, or transfer the property, it's easier to do for like a 1031 exchange or, mm. or just to keep them all separate. For sure. Yeah. Talk to us about like some tax things that you've come across and like some of the tax strategies you've had. Cause you know, the, the first time I had a big tax bill, I was like, oh man, this is, I mean, whenever it first hits you, whenever you actually have a profitable year, you're not prepared for it. There's just, there's no right. way to be prepared for it. Even if you have a good account it's like, it's just going to sneak up on you. Right. Yep, that's it. That's yeah. it. It's like, if you have a, a terrible year financially, it, it's like on one hand, you don't have to pay taxes. Right. But then you have a great year and you learn it the hard way. Usually the first year you have a great year, you work so hard trying to make as much money as you can get your hands on. And you're, you're making sacrifices on buying, right. You know, getting your labor to where they're efficient and then you get this tax bill and you're like, it was all for not. Why'd I do, yeah. why'd I do all this hard work? <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it, in that you, you learn that lesson and then the years moving forward, you, you learn the legal ways to minimize your tax, tax liability. Just like I try to minimize my labor and materials on job. It's just another expense that you're trying to minimize. Mm. Yeah. Someone, I was talking with somebody and they said, you know, early on, like, you need to make sure you have two things, a really good accountant and a really good attorney. Like, do you have you experienced that as well? And do you have those two things? Yeah, I can tell you early on again, just flying by the seat of my pants, I would I would walk in if I needed to buy a new piece of equipment or a truck, I would walk into my CPA's office with six months of back information that was very it wasn't very clean and try to get them to give me good financial statements so I could go to the bank. Um now, fortunately, we have a a great in-house bookkeeper that he we are up to date on financials daily. He has you know accounts receivable reports that come out every Tuesday. Like we are very efficient on our in-house bookkeeping, then also our CPA. Um, so that that information is all readily available and it makes it so much easier to have that at your finger fingertips, especially on the development side, when you're going to banks and they ask for the information, you can already send them the information you know that you're going to ask for. It goes a long way. Yeah. I think that's so important. And that's something I did not anticipate was like, you know, what's a PL and what's a balance sheet. And if you can't produce those really quick and worse yet, if you don't know how to interpret that information, like that's just not good. Like, did I'm I'm assuming you didn't know how to read those sheets, right? No, it's school of hard knocks. Just just had to meander through it and figure it out and and learn the hard way. There was no education for that. You just, you know, you 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 get asked for that information, then you figure out what that information is, and then you just over time read through it and understand it. Yeah. So you didn't have anybody that like kind of showed you how to do. It. You just kind of started looking and figuring it out and kind of it, learning. It. Exactly. Yep. That's it. So you started you started uh, drywall specialist. Specialties? Specialists. I always get them mixed up. Get them mixed up. Um, drywall specialist. There's probably um, somebody with the name drywall specialties and they're like, they're like, oh, yeah, man. I hate that guy. Yeah. Specialist. <laughs> uh, so um, I, I guess I'll, I'll kind of leave the timeline out of, you know, because I know you had two separate and they joined. Um, as you originally it was just you and maybe you had a, maybe you had a small team, maybe you had a couple of people that you knew were going to help you. Mm -hmm. Um, as you began to grow and build your team, what did that look like? How, how did you structure? Okay. I'm, you know, I don't know exactly what you have, right. But you know, we've got labor. You probably want somebody to manage projects. You've got, you've got an in-house, uh, bookkeeper. So how, how did all that kind of stuff work out? Yeah. You know, slowly. So we, we ramped up in about, in about 2005, 2006, we, uh, we grew and had quite a bit of overhead. We started needing more guys to help manage the labor in the field. And being inexperienced, we we grew our overhead faster than we should have, and so we kind of learned that lesson of you can you can get too big on your overhead soon. So we scaled that back down, 
And right now we run pretty efficiently. So yeah, we have one person in the office that takes care of our bookkeeping, all of our financial in-house in office things. We have a, a, a residential sales guy that does all of our residential repair, remodel, remodeling contractors. He, he takes care of that side and runs those guys. Uh, we've got a project manager for our commercial jobs that helps me run our labor on the commercial side. And then we've got a guy that just kind of found, he's kind of our full-time almost, I don't want to say maintenance guy, but just any loose end on our properties, he takes care of all of that stuff. Sure. And and what exactly is your role? I would assume, I would assume that it's similar to Tyler where you've kind of got your, your hands at everything. Is that, is that true? It is. It is. So my role, the one thing I, I, I haven't let go of, and I probably never will is the daily scheduling of guys. Hmm. Um, it, it, the guys can get really inefficient really quick if you don't keep your thumb on them and and make them make them maximize like you you have to just kind of i put it like this like if we have if i send a guy three small jobs he needs to hit in one day he'll get and go hit all three of those jobs if i send him one of those same jobs he'll only go to that one job and make a day of it yeah. so you have to like it's hard to get my even employees to like hmm. learn how to do that to, to maximize their efficiency sure. not only to get done for the next projects in line but just financially maximize your was there uh, anything early on that you did intentionally to learn that, or was that school of hard knocks? It was going to we were going to go broke if I didn't. <laughs> that, that was it. <laughs> well, you probably experienced that a lot on your own as as the labor at, sure. at one point. Early, and that's a nice thing too, you know, to, to to come from the labor side and know what it takes to do something. You know, you you, you don't. You, they can tell you it took two days to do it, but you know it should only take half a day, right? We we have sure. the experience to do that. So sure. so what's you know we just talked about this before we went on air, but like. What's the line between like micromanaging and just being thorough and making sure things get done? Like, um, it's it's definitely a balance. I don't I don't micromanage my guys on certain things. In fact, they'll ask me uh, about things. I'm like, man, don't don't ask. Just take care of that kind of stuff, right? Bring me big problems if you have. Otherwise, and it's like you get a new employee or or like Michael, our project manager, has been with us for a couple of years, and he kind of had to learn and he wanted to learn. He, he was kind of like underconfident in what he could do. He wanted to check with me on everything. And it got to the point I had to talk to him and say, man, you've got this just, and now he's he's very clear on what he can and can't do or should and shouldn't do. And if it needs to come to me, it's for a problem. Mm. Yeah. I like that. Cause that's, that's always like, you know, as a business owner, like I want things done a certain way, obviously. And, um, it's just so hard not to just put your thumb on it and say, but you don't have time to do that. Right. You like, can't. like, as you grow, like you have to delegate, you have to be able to pass something off and to pass it off. You really have to trust them to do it. 100%. Well, you that, haven't actually, book. like if you're not empowering them to actually do it, then you're not actually delegating. Right. Exactly. You're just basically having someone do busy work. And if that's all they're doing, then you re really could have anybody doing it. Yeah. You right? don't need it. Yeah. You don't need to pay somebody. 60,000, you could pay someone 30,000 who you have to manage all the time. Right. Right. Exactly. But if you're going to pay someone a good wage or a good salary, like you trust them, allow them to. Right. You trust yeah. to do what's in your best interest. And, and honestly, a lot of times Michael does better than I would do at certain things. So that's mm. nice. Yeah. Sure. Um, this kind of makes me think mindset here. You, you obviously started on the labor side, uh, ultimately started your own company. Um, and, but now you're also on the property ownership side and, uh, and what we would call kind of the end client. How has that, those two perspectives differ? How do those two perspectives differ in your mind? And, and do you think that that's impacted how you operate on the drywall side? Yeah, definitely. You know, back when I first started, there would be these deadlines and I'm like, you know, you've never had this before. Why is there such a crunch to have this right now? Yeah. And now that I'm on the property owner side, I have it. The reason is I have a tenant that's waiting to move in here. And when they move in, I start getting paid. Yeah. And so then you, you kind of start understanding why there is the push from the ownership side that trickles down to the subcontractors. It makes you uh, kind of appreciate that. 
Sure. Have you, have you had anybody come to you? I mean, cause you've been doing this for 20 years and you're doing well. Have you had anybody say, you know, Hey, I'm starting thinking about starting a company. What are some, what's some advice you have for me? Have you had anybody talk to you about that? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, I, I actually like to, to help young entrepreneurs and like kind of give them my, my feedback on those things. And, um, I mean, as far as advice, it's just, it's a grind. Know, know what you're getting into. You need to be an expert in what you're moving forward in. Um, I think a lot of, of being successful as a business owner is you have to put yourself out there and go, go do it. Um, but I think a lot of it's luck. You just, you put yourself out there and things happen and you're like, how did that happen? And yeah. it's, um, but you wouldn't have experienced that had you not put yourself out there. Yeah. We were just talking about luck. You know, we were talking about a job we just didn't get. And it's like, you know, so many times there may be a job that we were really, really hoping to get and we didn't get it. And we were thankful we didn't get it. Or maybe, you know, maybe we didn't get a job and that opened us up to be able to pursue something else that happened. It's just like, you know, if you start just really, you can really just like kill yourself just thinking too much about little things, right? Like you really have to look at the bigger picture. And, you know, I, honestly, I think luck has a lot to do with it. Or some people would say divine intervention. And it's like, yeah, I mean, there's just so much involved that you just, you don't have any control over. That's it. And it's like, just like you resiliency is kind of the word that I think of whenever I think of someone who's in business ownership, because every single day you're going to have something that is not cool that happens. Right. That's right. And like we we're talking about early on, it's like those lows are low and you experience a lot of lows early on because you just don't know what you're doing. And if you don't have that resiliency to get past the cup first couple of years to kind of figure out how to do things, you know, it's just, just not going to, you know, it's not gonna be a successful company. Yeah. I mean, so, sometimes it feels like everything you touch and every job you do is like a home run and it's amazing and everything's going great. And then there's times it's the exact opposite. Yeah. Like every job you do, every turn, every corner you turn, it's uh, just a headache. So, yeah. So you've been, you've been in business for 20 years. Um, so you were in business during the last recession, correct? That is correct. Yes. So kind of talk to me a little bit about that and kind of as we're stepping into potential actual recession, like, Talk to me about the past one and kind of what you foresee in this potential next one. You know, me, me personally on the past one, I, I saw the, the, especially the home builders that really struggled in 2000, 2008 um, recession. Um, and remember that me personally, you know, I spoke earlier about how my overhead got out of whack a little bit right before that recession hit. So I was making corrections because of my own mistakes and I kind of grew back up with that recession. So I kind of downsized right before it hit, wow. um, had my overhead really lean and was able to just weather through it. We didn't do a lot of builder work. That was uh, a home builder work that was really affected by that. Um, so we came through it. Probably one of the most financially uh, successful times we've had was during that recession, coming out of that recession. Wow. And then now seeing it, it's kind of like we don't, it's a different time, right? There's all this money out in the market from um, government money that's put out there. So everyone's still spending money like crazy. Interest rates are up. So that's affected me on my property buying side. And it's just a question mark. Well, how is that going to affect my drywall side? Are people going to quit doing projects? Is there going to be a lull until interest rates settle down? It's a question mark. Yeah, thinking about the property buying side is kind of a um, kind of a turn here. But think about the property buying side. Like interest rates are going up. People are not buying as much. People aren't. You know, the banks aren't lending as much. But it seems like there's still a lot of cash out there. So, like, how is it going to affect the market as far as property values? Because it, you would think it'd have to come down, right? You would think so. I, you know, again, I, I'm not an economist, certainly, you know, and I dabble in real estate, but I'm not a, a professional on that. But I, I just, I think Tulsa is a little bit insulated. Even though we've had record property prices now, I, we're still significantly cheaper than most of the United States. So yep. 
it feels like Tulsa is usually protected on on uh, big up, up and down swings of the reset of, of economy, especially talking about property values because we do stay pretty low. Yeah, I, I was. We heard um, who was it? It was the she was the CEO of the Tulsa airport. Do you remember this conversation? Uh-huh. She was talking about how she feels like I don't know if this is her opinion or if she had some data. I don't remember this, but she was saying that Tulsa is typically well insulated because we have a lot of oil, but also because we have a um, just an incredible amount of small businesses that are really strong. And during a recession, the companies that are really affected are companies that are publicly traded on the yep. S&P 500. Right. All the big and public companies. We don't yeah. have that. Like We have very few companies that are actually publicly traded, but what we do have is a really, really strong small business sector, yeah. which I think really helps us in these times for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Definitely. Um, so- we talked about what advice you'd give to someone who's starting a company. What are some characteristics, personality traits you're like in construction? This is what you have to have as a characteristic or like a personality trait to be successful. Well, I think you have to, uh, you have to be a boss and you have to be a certain way with your employees to get what you want. And I think you, you know, the, the old saying, you catch more flies with, with honey than you do with vinegar. You know, there's, there's guys out there that get mad and upset. And I think if you're just better off, working with your guys, um, having good relationships. And we have, we have guys that have been with us since we started the company. And so I think that's really important is to work with your employees, not against them. And, uh, I think on the, on the sales side, you, you know, you're wearing a lot of different hats. So you're, you're a boss to your employees, you're a salesman to your customers. And it's just, it's just having the flexibility and really it's just getting up and, and dealing with the grind. It's a grind. It's, there's no, there's no secret formula. You just have to get up and, and go through the motions every day to, uh, to, take care of all the, anything that arises. Yeah. That's, that's kind of interesting. Cause, um, you know, if you look at like a business owner, let's just look at Chad Potter's day. Like if one of your employees is just like, man, they're just pissed off. Cause they feel like, man, Chad doesn't, he just doesn't do anything. I'm out here working all day. And Chad's just, he's just driving around and he's just driving around in his nice Bronco with the top down just, but like, if you think about it, like uh, so many times you have to go from like, you know, thinking about, Okay, what's going to be in the future? That's whenever you're like bidding work and look for new work. Then you're looking at what's in the present, like issues that are happening right now. And then a lot of times you're dealing with issues from the past. Maybe there's a bid that you got wrong and you're having to fix the problems from that. There's so many times you're thinking about past, present, and future when like employees, all they have to think about is the present, right? Right. Like all they have to think about is what they're doing today, right? That's it, right? And like if you're required to think about the past, present, and future, like you're, like the brain capacity is so much different than if all you're thinking about is getting, you know, I have to put up this many walls today, or I have to put up this much sheetrock. It's such a different mindset. And I think a lot of times, and, and I got caught up in this when I was an employee, you know, I would say, well, we just got a bonus of $10,000. Well, I should get eight of that because I earned every bit of this. Well, you and I know that that's just not true, right? right, right. That's just, that's not how it works, right? Like we developed the infrastructure for that to be possible. Right. Sure. So I think that's an interesting concept of like, you know, you can look at someone can look at your day and it doesn't really look like you're doing stuff, but you're doing stuff all day sure. for the good of the company, even if it doesn't necessarily look like that. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes, it makes perfect sense. Um, I mean, it, it, my, my, my wife would give me a hard time. I, I used to take customers on fishing trips. And so she's like, Oh, you're going to go fishing. I'm like, no, I'm entertaining clients. Yes. It's going to be fun, but it's, I'm entertaining clients. It's, it's like, a thing. It's a thing. It, it is. It's, and so you're right. You know, the, the employee thing, the other, the other side of that is um, when I go on vacation again, like I said earlier, I, I do the schedules every day. So if I go to the East coast, I get to sleep in an hour. If I go to the West coast, I get up at four 30 in the morning to start working every day of my vacation. So 
there's, you know, it's, we're, we're always working and I send the schedules out to the guys every morning at six 30. So they know, you know, I'm getting up and grinding to get the day started. Yeah. So. You know, we, we've talked about this, um, with several, with several of the guests on the show. Um, and we've talked a little bit about it here now. Um, the lows are lower, the highs are higher. Um, but what we've heard a lot of is that, man, it's really difficult, but the, but the, the fruit is so sweet. Talk a little bit about that. What, what is, how has the fruit of your labors been for you over the past 20 years? You know, the, the, the first fact is being in business for 20 years is, is an accomplishment and we're, we're proud of it. And you don't really, it's not like we just, that was our goal to be in business 20 years. The goal is to just stay alive and keep, keep moving forward and getting new projects. And so as far as the fruit of our labor, it's, it's allowed um, me to provide a good life for my kids and my family. And it's allowed me to get into other things such as real estate um, and, and meet a lot of smarter people, like smart people along the way that I'm now business partners with. And so that's been um, a, a kind of one of the fruits of, of the labor on the drywall side. You know, something Here's we that. haven't been asking our, our, um, our guests, but I think is super interesting. And I'm very interested in is like kind of how they grew up. And what I'm interested in you is, did you grow up with money? Did your parents have stuff or was it more of like, Hey, I had to work in eighth grade because I had to, like, I wanted money yeah. and I, yeah, like, no, grew up in, in Tulsa, went to Hoover elementary school, like 27th in, in Sheridan, uh, in sixth grade, moved to broken arrow. My mom still lives in that house. we we grew up poor. Like we were, we were, you know, lower middle class, I would say. Um, very, very normal family grew up hunting and just was a broken arrow, little redneck kid. What did your parents do? Like what kind of lines of work were they in? So my stepdad was in construction he, for the, uh, the Beelitz Interiors um, construction company that I went to work okay. for. And my mom worked for Hilti for 30 years oh, and wow. then just retired from John Zink. Very cool. Yeah. So I'm interested and I think about this a lot cause I've got kids. So like, what are you doing to like, Cause you, you want your kids to have the same work ethic that you had, but you don't want them to experience like the pain and the hardship of growing up without stuff and money. So like, how do you balance that? Like, how do you prepare your kids mm. for a great, good question. for a great future, but also still give them things and have like, help them to have a great childhood. That's, that's actually a, a it's, that's a tough question. It's a tough balance because I mean, I actually made my, my, we're doing some remodeling at our house and I had my son load a bunch of plaster in the back of my truck. And I was just like hands in my four on my forehead, just like, how can you not do this more efficiently and faster and better? And like, it's like, I used to make a game of it when I was a kid. I mean, I would, I, I like to work and I like to back. I bet I can load that truck in 10 minutes. And I, it's like three times. I'm like, it's not full yet. It's, you know, so it's, it's, we're definitely trying that, but it's a different time. These phones and video games and mm. all these other things that are taking precedence. It's you wanted to learn how to work with their hands. You know, there's something to like, you know, humans have an amazing capability of just excelling when their backs are against the wall. Right. Sure. But it's so hard to create that if it's not there. Like I'm sure you've seen employees who they have every potential to be a great employee. Right. They just don't want it. They're just, their heart just is not in it. They just they don't want to spend there. more time getting out of doing a 30 minute project. You know? Correct. And so it's like, you know, I, I fear for that for my kids because, you know, I'll put something in front of my kids to eat and they're like, I don't want this. And I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Right. Like, like yeah, yeah. I grew up and I didn't have a choice of what I ate. It was either like, you can eat this or you cannot eat. It's that choice. Right. And so whenever my kids say, I don't want these chicken nuggets, I'm like, I don't want this tap water. I need Voss water. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I only eat. Hashtag grown up. Yeah. I only drink glacier water. Like it's like, it's these crazy things, it, but no, they have so much that, that you're right. It's, it's a, that there's no good answer to that because it is a, it's an issue. Mm, great. Interesting. Well, I think, uh, you know, we've talked a lot up to this point about 
who Chad is, where you came from, what you've created in the past 20 years, and some of the things you're working on right now, I would like to talk a little bit about vision here, and that leads us right into the lightning round. Oh, let's go. Okay. So we've got six questions here, Chad. You don't get to think too much about them. We're kind of shooting from the hip All here. Right, hold on. Let me let me give some rules on this, because okay. I feel like we're right. getting some Sit. inconsistent answers on this. So lay the foundation for like, us here. These are like two or three answers. So okay. two or three questions, two or three words for an answer. So if you're having to like give three or four sentences... You've already done messed it up. Okay, all, right, all right. So just give me a couple words. All right. Question number one. What is one thing that you do outside of your business that allows you to be successful in your business? You know, I would say getting outdoors just in the sense that it clears my head. I like to hunt and fish and things like that. So it, yeah. Beautiful. So separating from your business is good. Yes. Yeah. Um, what's What time do you wake up in the morning and get your day started? 5.30. Beautiful. Unless you're on the West Coast. Correct. Or on the East Coast. Or 330. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you love to win or do you hate to lose? I love to win. Love it. Who is one person who supported you from the beginning? My wife, Jackie. I think uh, this next question we've already heard a couple of times, but what's your favorite pastime? Hunting and fishing. Beautiful. And uh, where we wanted to lead off here is vision. So what are you currently speaking into existence? Being intentional with your words, speaking into existence. What do you want to see happen in the next year? And you're like, this is going to happen. I am going to make this happen. Yeah, as silly as it sounds, to stay in business another year. I mean, it, 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 everyone thinks that, is this a lightning round? Is this too many? Is this no, too no, no, you're good. This no. is the end of it. Go yeah, ahead. this yeah. is now we're kind Got of opening conversation. You know, one, one of my most successful customers, uh, his biggest fear is, is going out of business. And he's been in business longer than I have. And they're very successful. But that's his biggest fear. And so it's you have to keep grinding. There's no... There's no cruise control. Yeah. You know, so I, I would push back because we get a lot of, he asked the same question to everybody. He always asked, do you hate to win or do you hate to lose or love to win more? And almost everybody says, I love to win. But I feel like in every single entrepreneur, we have this fear of the doors just shutting for some reason. Right. And it's like, I have that. And if I were asked the question, I would say, I hate to lose because I think of those things of like, Hey, what if everybody just leaves and the door shut? So like, I, I guess I'll push back on your answer of um, why is it not hate to lose? And why is it love to win? I think, I think cause you lose, you're going to lose. If you're in business at some point, you're going to lose and you have to, you can't hate to lose and dwell on it. You have to just check it off and go win. That's Got it. Yeah. I think, uh, I think your, your thought too, on, on the vision side of things, as far as um, you know, it's, it's, you know, cause I think a lot of people in that one are like, Oh, I'm, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And it's like just all of these different goals, right. That you could lay out. I think yours reminds me a lot of what I learned through sports is just like, it doesn't matter what's happening tomorrow or what's happened in the past. I've just got to deal with what is right here today. Now it's interesting though, cause Tyler, you were just saying like, as a business owner, you always have to think about the future and think about the past while trying to prioritize what needs to be prioritized in the beginning or right now. Um, I mean, that's kind of interesting, you know, like, cause, cause a lot of it is like, you have to just wake up and go every day. Right. I mean, you know, every year we make, I make a set of goals for different parts of my business, personal life. And one of my goals sometimes is to maintain what we did last year. And I yeah. think this is coming into this recession or what may be a recession. That's a good goal is to maintain what I we did agree. last year. That's what I've been thinking about is, um, yeah, I agree. I'm, yeah. I'm right there. I'm like <laughs> this next year, if, if we do exactly what we did this year, I will be a happy man because I just don't know. Like, right. There's just so many unknowns in 2023 and uh, yeah. Could maybe uh, both of you guys speak a little bit to as business owners, right? Like you, it's not just, it's not just X's and O's, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, unknown in this formula of successful business. Um, you know, exactly what we're, ta what we're talking about here, right? If, if, 
if next year was going to be exactly like this year, man, in a climate like right now, that might be that's might be a good goal to have, right? Like we're talking about now. But if we knew that, man, next year is going to be an incredible year for business, let's go out and attain more. How do you how do you guys as business owners manage the mindset you have to have in a business place that, where there's just everything, there's so many unknowns, there's well, so many variables. Well, you, I'll answer this first. You know what we're doing. I mean, we are sure. Um, and the best way I can describe is hedging our bets in a way that we are just exploding our marketing. We are going above and beyond. We are going to every single architect's office, every, I mean, everybody, everybody. And we're in, increasing our market share yeah. so that we can stay the same next year, I believe. Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh -huh. Because um, I think there's going to be less opportunity. And I think that, um, so I think we have to be even better to, continue to where we're at this year. Yeah. So. And, I, and I guess kind of adding more thought onto that is just, I guess in general, as a business owner, you have to be able to to change and shift and and be different, right? And I know as you, both of you guys are owners of smaller companies that aren't huge ships that you're trying to turn. So you're able to make quick changes and change direction pretty quick. Um, do you have any examples of things like that, Chad, where you yeah. had to change direction real quick? Yeah, for sure. So again, we do anything down to doorknob hole patches. Like we have this whole repair division that yeah. sometimes that is that stays fairly consistently busy. Then we have our larger commercial projects and things that we do for you guys. Mm -hmm. We have midtown remodels. We do some new homes. And so to have that diversity, mm -hmm. one of those segments is usually really busy and the other ones may be trailing a little bit. So to have, that's one thing we've done over the years is just kept that completely open, not just put all of our eggs in one basket on one type of construction. Mm, sure. Yeah. I like that. What's your, uh, what's your superpower as a leader, Chad? Superpower. I, I think just consistency. I mean, I think there's, there's, again, there's no secret to it. I think you have to just get up every day and grind and be as efficient as possible and, and wear all the hats. Mm, I, like I like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. So are you a big, yeah, we both, we're, like, we're just saying we the same thing it. here. Like we just love, we've it. been hanging out doing too many podcasts too together, much, man. too much. <laughs> so like, um, are you a big, like, I know you said you make goals, but are you a big, let's say three, five year goal? Are you really kind of planning out where you're hoping to be? Or is it more of, Hey, this year I really want to be here. And then you kind of redo that. every. It's year. really about this time of year, starting about October. I'll start making a list of, of goals just for the next year. I don't even look out beyond that really. Mm. Yeah. What's your, what's your business development strategy right now? Um, maintain existing customers yeah. and, and pick up, you know, one or two, maybe more good quality, solid customers. There are a lot of people out there that do work, but there's a lot of people that you don't want to work for. And so for it's, sure. it's like trying to like, just through experience, weed those out. Like you guys are a fairly new customer, which it, it's been a great relationship so far. So I look forward to moving forward with that. Isn't that interesting? It's like, I could get more work, but I don't really want. That's it. Certain types of work. Well, and I think, right? again, it comes back to experience of doing it for 20 years. There's been times that I really had big growth goals and you bring on more overhead and you bring on more employees, problems, uh, you know, headaches. And then at the end of it, you did, you know, whatever, 25% more work and you made less money or the same amount of money. So then in, in doing that two or three times when the years allowed, um, it really wasn't financially beneficial. So that's why sometimes my goal, my goal really over the last few years has been, maintenance, even when we had like big economic years of the past few, I've done the, the growth thing. And unless I double or triple, it just, which I don't want to do it. It just kind of maintenance isn't a bad thing. We're in a good place. Yeah, That's kind of interesting. We were just talking earlier about a company that we both know that is growing exponentially. Right. And they're having to hire people that they wouldn't typically hire. Right. Right. And so it's like, you know, you're growing, but at what cost? Exactly. And it's, it's an interesting, interesting thought um, just to 
kind of think about like like how big do you actually want to be? Because you have to think about that. Like, right. At the, at the end of the day, we're, we're working, you know, to, to increase your bottom line. So I don't really care what our top line is. It's just, we want that bottom line to be at a certain Cause, point. Cause we also know a, a company that just did the opposite. Like they just downsized in right. the past year or so. And I'd be interested to kind of talk with both of those people and see what the um, kind of what their thoughts are. Sure. If they thought it was a good, good thing. And it's probably too early to tell. Right. For both in that process. Them. Right. No, I agree. Um, because you know, if, you, if you're, if you're decreasing in size then you have to be much more specific about the type of projects you want. Sure. And if those types of projects dry up, then you're kind of, you're out of work, kind of, kind of out of work. Right. And uh, for that one particular client where, you know, they're, um, they're only doing like high end remodels, like that could be really bad in a recession right. because, there's not as many like really class a office work going in. Right. Right. It takes your options away. It's an interesting thought. Um, but anyways, um, what else you got, Nick? Hmm. I guess a lot of our listeners may not be the type of person that says, you know what? I need Chad to do all of the drop grid ceilings and all the framing and all the drywall and float and tape for my new commercial build. But let's say that somebody said, you know what? I like, like what this guy's got to say been in business for 20 years. He seems like he knows something. If they wanted to reach out and say, Chad, I would like to go grab you a lunch or a beer or coffee sometime. How would they get a hold of you? Uh, they can just call my cell number. Right. Or, it, yeah. Should, should, we, should we put that no, in, in the description? We should not put that in the Nick, because we're going to have all the, the fanboys calling up, yeah. calling up Chad. You know, and, and Chad already said he's not taking work from <laughs> just anybody. Okay. So yeah. if you're calling him, you better mm. be ready. You better be Try, ready to bring you better him. Have, you better have good, juicy projects. Huh? Better, better be ready to go. <laughs> we'll, we'll end on this. What are you, something you're excited about? What are you, what are you fishing for? What do you fish for? What, what do I fit? Like, yeah. Fish for? Yeah. Trout, bass, oh, crappie. Love trout. All of it. Yes. Paddlefish. It's fun. Love it. Yeah. What do you go fishing? How Let's do we go. Show? Let's do yeah. it. Tell your wife. Hey, I'm, I'm going fishing. <laughs> Entertain clients. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I love that. I go home with, you know, my wife, uh, she'd be like, where'd you go to eat lunch today? And I'll tell her and she's like, why don't you take me with you? Or like, why are you always going to these lunches and not taking me? I'm like, I, it's, it's for business. <laughs> I swear. Right. Like, right. Very rarely. Yeah. Do you think I'm just going into a really great restaurant and sitting there by myself? And looking at my phone, I'm man, it's that. so nice to just be here by myself. Yeah, I'm not doing that. If I'm doing that, like if I'm eating by myself, I'm going to get a taco from Taco Bueno. I'm not. Did you know Tyler's a huge taco? Guy I'm too. a big taco guy. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. We'll, we'll yeah. be we'll be all hanging around the office doing some stuff. All right, guys, I'll be back. I'm gonna go get a taco. There yeah. you go. That's it. A taco. <laughs> That's it, man. That's it. Well, man, I appreciate you being here, and yeah, uh, I think you. it was really good. And uh, yeah, we so we do a recap episode. So we'll on uh, the Friday after this is released, we'll kind of break it down and I'm excited about this one. I think it was good. Yeah, but, I think it is. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a good one. But guys, thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of the Pottery Podcast and we will catch you guys next time. 